Will Lawrenson, thanks so much for joining today. So you are running Customers Who Click, a conversion rate optimization, customer value optimization agency. I'm wondering if you could just start with explaining what exactly that is that you do and the value that you're bringing to direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I mean, I, I wouldn't really call it an agency. It's just me. Um, so it's, I suppose, more of a consultancy. You know, I work, I work one to one with clients. But yeah, so customer, uh, customer value optimization, I suppose, is the, the kind of big thing that I look at. And it's, I guess, broken down into conversion rate optimization, customer experience, CRM, retention marketing, that sort of thing. I want to basically want to help businesses you know, when they're paying all that money for that traffic or they're investing in SEO, that traffic actually does what it's come to the website to do, has a really good experience and then wants to come back. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we've got the retention piece in place just to, to nudge people, to give them that extra value, that extra content. But really, you know, if you don't give people a good experience on the website in the first place, that they're, they're going to ignore your emails and they won't come back anyway. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And of course, it, it could be a lot of wasted spend or it could be efficient spend if you're able to drive those customers, the, the, those traffic into customers. But what exactly is it that you've found that works moves the needle a lot? Because I've seen you've written a lot in terms of actionable optimizations. And I think a lot of it is heavily focused on creating a better customer experience. But I'm wondering if you can walk us through some of the things that you found have been really successful in in driving conversions and a better value optimization? Yeah, so I suppose the one main question to always ask is what's in it for the customer? That That's crucial. So there are loads of tactics and things you can, you can use and uh, like plugins and things. But at the end of the day, if you're doing it for the business and not for the customer, it's, it's not really gonna move the needle. You need to answer the questions that are on their mind. Ideally, as soon as that question comes up, so they should be, you know, reading through your product page, trying to decide whether it's the right product for them. They should be thinking, well, oh, is this going to fit me? So you should have, have the information on different sizes that are available. And ideally, you know, what that size means. You know, we're seeing a lot of apps like a TrueFit, FitFinder and the like pop up where you can kind of fill in your details and it will say, yeah, we recommend the medium. And X percent of people say medium is, yeah, it's right. You know, when we recommend a medium, that makes sense. But outside of that, I think the big things to focus on are like anxiety and motivation. So I think when, when lots of people approach CRO, they think about usability. So they want to add sticky call to actions. They think about Im changing images, moving a button, changing the color of a button, that sort of thing. You know, most of the time it doesn't really move the needle that much. The big things are focusing around, like I said, anxiety, motivation. So what I mean by that is anxiety tends to be things like, is this a trustworthy business? You know, they might have they might have kind of made the decision on the product. You might have actually sold them on the product, but they still want to know that they're buying from a reputable business. Especially if we're talking about products that might be available across multiple sites. So, you know, I don't know if you sell, I don't know, shoes or something or computers, you know, I can go to multiple different sites for that computer. So I don't really need you to sell me on the computer necessarily. I need you to sell me on the fact that if I buy it from you, that's the right decision to make. So things like social proof work really well and guarantees, returns policies, sometimes free shipping, that kind of helps. And then the motivation side is that like kind of scarcity and urgency. I need to get on with this decision now. Otherwise, I'm going to lose out. 
and I might lose out on the product or it might just be a case of I'm losing out on a day because of delivery times. You know, you see on Amazon in particular, they're really good at saying order in the next 15 minutes to get it by tomorrow or by X, X PM tomorrow. There's even, you know, order in the next 20 minutes to get it by 10 PM tonight. You know, they really focus on that because it makes you think if I can get it now, like I need to get it now. Otherwise I've got to wait 24 hours. And, you know, generally for a lot of products, uh, particularly ones that you buy on Amazon, when you've decided you want to buy that product, you kind of just want it now. You know, you might be happy to wait, but really, you know, it's on your mind. You want to buy that product. You want to start using it. So the quicker you can get it, the better. So yeah, those are the, the kind of two main areas, anxiety and, and motivation. And that can relate to the business. It can relate to the product as well. So obviously that motivation can be things like, I don't know if it's supplements or or something health related. It could be around, you know, deal deal with your, I don't know, neck pain or something quickly. You know, the, qu- the quicker you buy this, the quicker you can start sorting the pain. And so that makes people think, all right, well, yeah, I shouldn't sit on this. I shouldn't wait. There's no point waiting another week because it might get worse or it's definitely not going to get better. So if I buy it now, I can start working on this. And if you obviously, if you combine that with a guarantee, people say, well, I can buy it now. I can test it out. If it doesn't work, I can send it back. Yeah. You, you mentioned the framework and it sounds like there's a little bit of a, a push of the motivation and a, uh, the resistance of the anxiety. It reminds me of this framework from Chris Goward of Wider Funnel, where he likens it to a plane. And I think it's a, a really smart analogy because there's, you know, the, the, the plane itself represents the product and the associated benefits and features. But then there's there's the, these other things that helps it lift uh, or just provides resistance. And it is things like the the ease on reducing the friction, but then there's the customer anxiety and, and the unknowns. And so it's how you're addressing each of these things. And it, yeah. he packages, up, packages it up in a nice visual as well. I'll, I'll drop the, the link to his article in the show notes. But I, I there's always a lot of factors at play. And so I think if you can nail it down, like you suggest, that's a good way to address what the motivations are, what the anxieties, and then channel the marketing appropriately. So yeah, I'd love to know the frameworks or the processes that you use to dig down into this. When you're starting to work with a client, like how do you get a better sense of who their customers actually are, what their motivations are, what their anxieties are. Can you walk me through the process, whether it is customer interviews or looking at reviews online or doing, I, I don't know, whatever kind of research you're doing, because you you are coming from an outside perspective, which in some ways is a benefit, but then you just, you lack that innate understanding that those people within the brand internally understand. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned two of the big ones there, like looking at reviews, looking at customer feedback speaking to customers. I use tools like Hotjar to, to gather feedback on site. And then I also, you know, send out surveys and things to customers, ask them, you know, what was the kind of number one reason they purchased or what was the one thing that almost stopped them purchasing? What is the one thing that has stopped them purchasing? That sort of thing. And sometimes you get answers like, I didn't know what delivery time would be like, or I wasn't sure what your terms policy is. But sometimes you get really product specific feedback, you know, um, I'm trying to think of an example, like I think of one of my clients, you know, the feedback might be, you mentioned it's for neck pain if you're sleeping on your back, but what if you sleep on your side or what if you sleep on your front? So if you, people, your product might be a solution for that as well, but because you just have naturally thought, well, you know, I don't know the design of the pillow or whatever, uh, people are lying on their backs, they're sleeping on it. 
therefore it's going to work for neck pain when you're sleeping on your back. So oh, things like heat maps and things as well are really useful. But that's more kind of how people are using the website, where they are seeing, where they're not seeing, where they're clicking, where they're not clicking. And those can kind of help you decide or work out, you know, are people actually finding the information? And then you can kind of tie those two pieces together. So if you're getting customer feedback saying, we can't find this information, and loads of people saying, you know, let's say it's delivery information, have no idea what your shipping policy is. Can you ship to this country? How much is shipping? How long does shipping take? You're going to think to yourself, well, we know that information's on that page because it's there. Like we, we know we've put it there. But then you'll see that using like something like Hotjar, no one's, no one's finding that information because you know, you've put it behind a tab or something. You know, I'm seeing this a lot on, on e-commerce product pages. You'll have kind of the product details, the, the call to action. And then just below that, you'll have some tabs, like more product details, product mm. specifications, shipping returns, reviews. You're making the customer click that tab to actually find that information. And a lot of the time they don't because they miss it. Yeah. Um, I imagine that that has to do with the desktop experience catering to the mobile experience. Mobile experience, you definitely want to compress things. You want it there for those who are searching for it. Hence, a tab might be what makes makes most sense as opposed to thumbing through a lot of uh, different screens. But, but so maybe maybe that's the challenge. But I do agree with you, and I have seen it myself. And there was a des- designer that I worked with who said that you you never want to make the customer have to search for information or, or click through information, hide information. And that's what happens with those tabs that are yeah. kind of stacked next to each other. So it's good in terms of conserving real estate, but not so good in terms of like making the, the information abundantly clear. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just needs to be visible. I mean, uh, with one client who does have these tabs, we're seeing, you know, the, the conversion rates double or triple when people interact with them. So they're really important, but sometimes they're difficult to see. And I'm yeah, so what's it, the solution then? Do you continue the tabs um, and just have them click if it's twice the conversion? We're, we're testing. Um, mm. We're testing a few things at the moment. We're, some of that key information we're just pulling out and putting elsewhere. So, you know, we're looking at tabs. If loads of people are clicking the uh, shipping tab, then obviously shipping information is really important to them. Can we highlight that information before they get to the tab? Mm-hmm. So we've one test we're, we're going to be running soon is putting this graphic kind of underneath the call to action, which will say, you know, free shipping over when you spend this amount, shipping takes three to five days, and then a returns policy. And we're hoping that that, that snapshot of information will be enough for people to then not need to go and search out the information because they'll, they'll kind of have the summary there and, and they'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that. And I'm sure consumers that are actually getting trained to look for it. It'll be free shipping, whether there's a threshold for free shipping or not and returns policy. And those are things that I also look for as a consumer. Yeah, exactly. They're almost those like those checklist things, you know, once you've decided this product is the product for you, you want to check on these things. You want to know the shipping policy, the the returns policy. There might be a couple of other things that are more related to the business rather than the product. Mm -hmm. But you've still got to, you've got to make sure people find them. And what you see so often is, People will have like a right at the top of the page, free shipping over $70 or something. But then to get to the shipping policy, you have to go into the footer and find and find shipping there. Yeah. So you're asking, you're asking the customers to go hunt it down. Really, you need that information in the right place at the right time. Yep. 
So I want to go back to something that you mentioned a little while ago, which was the fit finder and recommendation sizing, because that, that might be one reason uh, somebody doesn't buy. And it might lead to anxiety of like, oh, if I do get a medium, is it going to fit me? Am I a medium based on this brand sizing or not? And it also ties into your point about customer feedback and you're doing research on what the pain points, anxieties, challenges that people are facing. But I'm curious to know how you're actually doing those quizzes, recommendations or, or analyses upfront with customers pre-purchase. Pre and I ask because I'm, I'm building a quiz builder for Shopify merchants. So I think I have some of the same notions of what's important, but I'd love to learn more about how you're actually executing it and implementing it on merchant sites. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we use tools. So one tool I'm using at the moment is Insider, which is a kind of A-B testing platform slash personalization platform. So that's working really well. So we're able to, you know, if, if people are searching for certain types of, a certain type of products, you know, t-shirts or something or, or a certain type of shirt we can use the insider tool to then say well you looked at this shirt so but you didn't buy it so how about these shirts you know you're you're browsing this category so we're going to show you more of this category that sort of thing a lot of it's kind of implied data though because you are you're kind of kind of monitoring what the customer is doing and assuming that they're by what they're doing is telling you what they want and sure. they're just not quite finding the right thing so another thing you can do is, you know, with emails, if you can collect those email addresses for people who haven't purchased, you can kind of track what people are clicking on. So you might send them an email which says, oh, you know, it might be, yeah, we've got these different categories of shirts, for example. I'm just going to stick with shirts yeah. for now. So we've got short sleeve shirts, long sleeve shirts, formal shirts, casual shirts, that sort of thing. What you'll see is that, some people might just be clicking through the same category every time. And you can, in your email tool, you should be able to capture that and, and therefore target them with that in future. So kind of, I mean, I suppose you, you, don't have, you don't have to have that shirt level data already, but you could be saying, you can maybe do something with sizes. You know, let us know which, what size of product you like, or you think you like, because then we can show you the right, the right products. And so in that first email, they click medium, for example, and then you know they're a medium. And so you can start to display medium uh, sized products to that person. Oh, God. Okay. And then so that becomes like a, a custom dimension in their, say, Clavio profile, for example. Yeah. Is that, got it. So yeah, you, you'd have like XS, small, medium, large, whatever. And then if a user clicks this, then tag them with the, that size, right? Yeah. Other than that. Yeah, that's really smart. Yeah, kind of that sort of. Thing. I mean, it's 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 pretty basic, and there are there are definitely better things you can do with with better tools. But it's you know it's maybe size of maybe size of clothing is a bad example. But let's say, you know I have another client in kind of PC like PC building. So you know a question they could ask in an email is: Are you using? Are you buying a PC for gaming, for work, for flight simulators, for video editing, that sort of thing? Yeah, And then based on what they click there, you've kind of got that a really good category to, to target them on. And that's, that's enough information for you to then say, okay, here's the blog content that's relevant to you. Here are offers that are relevant to you. I suppose, you know, shirts were quite, <laughs> that's quite specific. But yeah, if you can kind of get people to tell you the category that they're looking for, which will tell you their, kind of tell you their pain points and, and a, bit of, a bit of other information about them, 
you can then kind of personalize that experience a little bit better. Yeah, totally. Well, you're, you're speaking my language because that's exactly what we're building towards is to help them, to help merchants understand what people are looking for. The difference though is our tool prehook is more on-site, the on-site experience. So, yeah. you know, it's a quiz that you might see this shirt brand or PC builder figure out like, you know, what, what are the goals? What are the problems? What are your preferences, interests? And then nail it down there. The difference maybe in, in terms of how it's being used is maybe frequency or number of impressions with what you're suggesting. I wonder, you know, if it's like, say 40% open rate and 3% click-through rate or something like that. Maybe, so you're, you're maybe getting a smaller percentage of the segmentations. And so if we, we pulse us one step before that, it seems to work well in tandem, both like the on-site quiz and, and the emails. But yeah. I think ultimately the, the end goal is the same. Like what, yeah. are, what are you solving for? What's the problem that you're solving for? What of your inventory is most relevant to solving that customer's problems? Yeah, and it, and it should work with pretty much any business, right? You know, you might you might have to think about what that survey is, what that quiz is, to 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 really be able to custom like segment those customers. But yeah, there are not many businesses it wouldn't work for, unless you literally have one product, in which case you don't need to you don't need to do the quiz in the first place. It's about lead gen, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're touching on personalization, and I've seen on your website you're, you're talking a little bit about personalization and that customers are willing to spend more money purchase more frequently with brands who are providing a solid personalized experience, but tactically, how are you doing that? I know, I know you kind of like got into that there, but are there other ways, whether it's, you know, based on channel or website experience or tools that have worked really well to help you hone in on providing a personalized experience for shoppers? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, the, the easiest way is obviously post-purchase. Once you've got that first purchase, you can kind of guide a customer a bit better and you, you, you've got an idea of what they want. First purchase obviously doesn't give you all the data. You don't know yet whether that person's going to be like VIP level spending thousands with you or if that was their one purchase and they're never coming back. You know, you, you don't quite know, but at least you get some sort of information that you can make assumptions about. You know, if they buy uh, men's clothing or women's clothing, you know, it's fairly safe to make an assumption that they're male or female, and therefore you could recommend them those sort of products. A couple of examples that work really well for me. I worked for a company called Readly a few years ago, which is like Netflix for magazines. Mm. So kind of all you can read content. What we did was based off their, their first few kind of magazines they read, we'd be able to assign a category to them. We'd be able to assign favorite magazine and then make recommendations based off those. So we kind of I remember doing a, a really big project on this, basically mapping out pretty much all the magazines on there, giving them a, a primary category, a secondary category, a tertiary tertiary category, and linking them up to different magazines and things. So we'd be able to say, if you've read this magazine a lot, we're pretty confident you're going to like this one, this one, this one. And so in our emails, we're going to recommend them to you. And in the homepage of the app, we're going to recommend them to you. Kind of like, kind of like what Netflix does, really. Totally. Um, that worked really well. And another example, which is a little bit different, is in the gambling industry here. I worked at a company that they, their websites ran basically slot machines, online slot machines, and bingo. And uh, we had a welcome offer, which gave a bonus on both of those. But what we, what I kind of noticed in the data was that spins players didn't really use their bingo vouchers. And, and we actually thought they were being devalued by it. 
because in the gambling industry, there was this legacy behavior with promotions where you have to play all your credits, all your bonuses. And sometimes you've got to play them like 20 times before you can really start playing with your money and, and actually start winning money and, and withdrawing that. So what we thought was people who are slots players who have been given bingo tickets are less valuable because they don't want to play bingo tickets, but they feel like they have to in order to then be able to properly uh, kind of withdraw money and, and play later. And uh, we, we probably got a little bit lucky with this because actually when we introduced the offer, we introduced it as spins only and then we added bingo later. So we were able to see that effect of what happened when we added bingo. So what we did was when people get acquired, we kind of rebuilt that acquisition flow. So pre-deposit, we would ask them, do you want the slots offer or do you want the bingo offer? And then they would select that, they would deposit. At each stage, that offer is being highlighted to them. So you, you, know, you have selected this offer. When they've deposited, they would see uh, messages on screen saying, okay, you need to do this to claim your offer. And then once mm. they claimed it, it would say, you've got this amount of your offer left and it would start to decrease. And that, that had a huge impact on people because they were getting the offer that they wanted, the one, the one that they actually cared about. So even though a slots player was in theory giving up 50 pounds worth of credit and bonuses, they didn't care because they didn't want it anyway. Yeah. And that gets back to what you were saying. What is their motivation? What is of interest? And I guess if you can ask outright, yeah, people might value uh, 20 pounds more than 50 of it for what the game that they actually want. And I'm trying to yeah, think exactly. of like how, how that might apply to e-commerce. And one, one example might be uh, brand Vita5 uh, gummies or, or uh, supplements. And what they do is they, they basically tier their offers. So if you drop in an email, you get 10% off. If you uh, refer a friend, it's 50% off. If you, you know, buy over X dollars, it's free shipping plus X dollars off or something like that. But they basically tier the, their incentive and their offer based on actions that a, a user will do. And they're very transparent about it. So, you know, exactly, you know, you're not, waiting for black friday or something for a sale because they'll tell you exactly you know when they're offering and what they're offering so well i think with e-commerce brands so what a lot of e-commerce brands do is when they're thinking about doing promotions it's literally just here's 10 percent off or 15 or 20 percent, and they normally kind of blast it out to their email list but what you could be doing is what in some industries will probably save you money is give away stuff you know so i don't know if it's supplements for example if someone always buys, this is probably a bad example to go down because I don't know supplements very well. Let's say someone always buys like a kind of capsule-based sub supplement instead of liquid or something like that. You know, you could give them a free sample of a new supplement that you've got in a capsule form as, as that kind of promotion or not even a free sample. You, you could say if, when you spend over 30 pounds or, or, or 50 pounds or $50 or something, you get a free pack of this supplement which is related to the stuff you buy. So you'd be interested in it. And it's in a capsule form, which you like. Yeah. And then for the people who buy the liquid forms, you'd say, here's a free, you know, a free bottle of this supplement that we think you'll like, and that we want you to, we want you to try it out. Um, and it's, it's better than a discount because it's, it, it might work out cheaper for you as a brand but also you're going to try, you're going to get someone to try out a new product. If they like that product, they'll come back and buy it again. Yeah. 
And, and that goes towards ultimately, I guess what you're talking about, customer value optimization, increasing lifetime value with repeat purchases, right? Yeah. Because the alternative is if you, you give that 20% off and you're just discounting the products that we're going to buy anyway. So at least by giving away this, this product, it might cost you the same amount as that 20% has cost you in terms of lost revenue. But the potential there is for them to then start spending more money. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Will, wrapping up, I wanted to get maybe one insight. What the, the first step that you might recommend to your clients in terms of customer value optimization, how a brand can kind of do a quick audit of what their current strategies and processes are and then where they might be leaving money on the table in terms of, you know, the, the whole customer value and not just on a one purchase basis? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just, I would survey people. I'd speak to customers, find out what they want. Really is as simple as that. You know, I've got one client where the the website, and, and they acknowledge this, this isn't me just having a go at them. Their website's just not built at all in the way that customers want. And this is actually really common in their industry. They, none of them give the information customers actually want when they're buying these products. So we're, we're trying to fix that. Can you be more specific I, and, you know, like to the extent that you can, like, where is the Delta? Where's the, the gap? It's, it, I mean, essentially it's a perfect example of features over benefits. Oh uh, yeah. All, all these websites explain the features and none of them explain the benefits and, and what those features mean. And we're seeing it in the feedback that we're getting. People want to know, like, is this, is this actually going to solve their problems? They can do the research, but, but people who do the research are coming back and saying, you know, I did the loads of research, but I'm obviously still not, I'm not an expert. I just want to be told, is this going to fit my need? So that's, you know, that definitely helps. And even for like kind of standard e-commerce sites, if you're doing that, if you're convincing people that the product is the right product for them and they're going to have a good experience buying from you, they, they will come back and they will happily, you know, they will spend more money with a business that they find easy to use and easy to buy from. And they're confident that if they have a problem, that problem will be solved. Yeah, and whenever they want a new product, it's it's just easier to go back to a business that they actually like. And and just make it very clear on, through every step of the process, on the homepage, on the product description page, on the returns policy, like exactly what they're looking for. And that's where the feedback comes in into yeah. actionable insights, right? Yeah, and just think about what information is is uh, relevant at each stage. You know, early on, when they when people are on your website, they do want to see that free shipping message and stuff. But it's not the most important thing because they're looking for the product. Mm-hmm. They're looking for the product that's going to solve their needs. Once they've decided that, then it does become more about the: Are you going to ship this to me quickly? Can I return it if I have a problem? How do I contact customer service? But that doesn't mean you completely shift that side and start ignoring the product. You still want to, you know, when someone's in their cart or something, obviously you want to you remind them of what they've got in their cart, all the details, allow them to edit it. You know, if, if they've accidentally picked the wrong size, they need to be able to edit it there in the cart, not remove the product, go back to the product page and re-add it. That's a terrible yeah. experience. Yeah. And then even when they get through to checkout, you know, highlight, you know, what products have they got in the bag, what size, what quantity, but then really highlight, you know, that you've got free shipping because you've spent X amount. You can return it within 30 days. If you, if you need to contact us, here's customer service, here's live chat, all that sort of stuff. So if you get, just make sure the right content is there and highlighted in the right way at each stage, which I think I've 
might sound easier than it is. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, simple, but not easy for sure. Will Lawrenson, thank you so much for sharing your insights. What's the best way to connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn. Twitter's good as well. I'm just Will Lawrenson on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to be more active there. But yeah, LinkedIn is it's where I post the most stuff and most content. And I'm pretty active on there. So I'll always respond to connection requests and things. All right. Will, I'll drop that your link in the show notes. But Will, thanks so much for sharing your insights. Thank you for having me. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.